0: You are listening to One, Forever Alone, an ongoing, story-based podcast. It is a work of fiction created by J.A. LaRock. You can find our podcast on Himalaya, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever else podcasts are found. Chapter 6. Timelines and Dreamscapes My legs became weak. As my body reacted to what my eyes were seeing and what my mind was thinking, I felt myself falling backwards. I guided myself to Ashley's desk chair. I was willing to believe that an accident like the one on Clark street could be explained, but not what I saw out there. I didn't know what to do next. I just stared at the blue and gold Lincoln Park High School letter jacket that Ashley's boyfriend gave her. She would never leave the house without it, even on the hottest day. A new thought entered my mind. I knew it was a long shot, but I also knew I had to try. I forced my legs to stand myself upright and retrieved my cell phone to dial Ashley's number. A ringing sound startled me. It was not just coming from the phone, but from the room. It was muffled, and it came from Ashley's bed. I yanked her comforter from her bed, and under her pillow, I found Ashley's phone. She told me once that she would sleep with it under her pillow, just in case a friend had an emergency. I needed more data to make sense of everything. I checked her recent calls and found Ashley received one from her boyfriend at 11.45 am. The call lasted 32 minutes. At 12.17, I was still asleep. Whatever happened occurred between 12.17 and 1.30. This gathering of data did little to calm me, so much did not add up, there was something I was missing. I returned to my room to the first thing I knew to check, the flow of information. The world wide web would have information on what happened whether it was local, national or global. I awoke my computer from sleep mode to find my system was still connected to the home network, but I could not connect to the internet. My digital subscriber line modem showed my connection to the internet service provider was unavailable. There was still hope. I never closed my internet browser window from the night before. Surfing the internet for game information while playing was a common practice for online gamers. I always kept my homepage open. Set to Google, I could check my mail and use its search engine at the same time. The page also contained recent news headlines and would refresh every 10 minutes updating the page and leaving a timestamp. I couldn't help thinking back on the conversation I had the night before with mom and Ashley. I went from wanting them to leave me alone to wishing they would barge in, telling me this was all a joke. The timestamp only brought more questions and confusion. The last update before the internet connection was lost was at 1pm. One last timestamp to confirm. Within my modem menu was an error reporting page. It would timestamp any errors or disconnections from the internet. That timestamp showed the connection to the internet was lost at 1pm. Reviewing what I knew brought me to two conclusions. Both the data and what I have seen with my own eyes is false or everything I've learned leads to an answer that isn't realistically possible. The clock showed 1.30 when I woke up. That means that everyone evacuated within 30 minutes. Even if it was possible to do that, it does not explain the massive accidents I have seen. Why would people just leave their cars, money, and personal items, just dropping them to the floor? Honestly, the main question for me was, how could all this happen, and no one, not my friends, not Christine, not Ashley, not my own mother, come and wake me? I felt the tightness in my chest, and needed to get some fresh air. I opened the door to the balcony, and was slightly relieved to find that the air had not left me as well. The wind blowing across the sky reinforced another thought from earlier. Not only had I not seen any people, but no animals as well. The sky was clear of any birds, and the ground free of any pets, pests, or even insects. Again my mind took over, this time taking control of my body as well. I felt as if I was forced to turn back towards my room. I found myself staring at the bed. Was there a clue there? Something I overlooked? Then it came back to me. Before I fell asleep, all I thought about was being alone. Looking out over the black void of Lake Michigan at night. I wanted to be there. To exist there. A familiar theme. Unlike It's a Wonderful Life. I didn't think the world would be better without me. But I, without them. Was it possible that all this was a nightmare cast upon me by my subconsciousness? A lesson to be learned or a punishment to show me that being alone would not bring me peace. I gripped the railing of the balcony. If this was a dream then all I needed to do was awaken. I remembered watching the horror film Poltergeist when I was younger. The movie scared the hell out of me. The part where the tree crashes into the kids room Gave me nightmares for years. I had a tree just like that. Outside the window of my birth home. During the day. Everything was fine. But at night. That tree. Haunted me. No matter how mom or dad tried to comfort me. I just couldn't sleep well at night. One day. Aunt Jackie taught me a technique to take control of my dreams. She told me to close my eyes and concentrate on waking up. It worked. It took a few tries, but I was soon able to pull myself out of my own dreams. I closed my eyes and tried to convince myself that everything I had witnessed was impossible. I told myself that this was not a world of reality but a dream world that I can control and escape. In the past, I could feel myself pulling away from my dream and back into the waking world. It felt like being pulled from quicksand, slow and tiring. When my grandfather died, I had a dream I was trapped in my room. My mother and sister were screaming, calling out to me. No matter what I tried, I couldn't escape my room. Even using Aunt Jackie's technique didn't work. There was nothing, no pull, no retreat. I feared it was real until I woke up on my own accord. I ran crying to Aunt Jackie and I asked her what could I do if her technique failed? There I was again. Trapped in a dream wrapped so tightly around my being that I could not escape. The first time this happened, it was due to my repressed feelings over my grandfather's death. At least, that's what the shrink said. There was nothing that I could think of that would cause such a vivid dream, definitely not the wanting to be left alone. I had felt that way for years. Aunt Jackie did teach me one other way to escape, what she called a constrictor dream. With my eyes wide open, I knew this was my only chance to put an end to all of this. My legs felt heavier than usual as I lifted them slowly over the small metal railing of the balcony. While not scared of heights, I would have never done such a thing when awake. Perhaps I could have just jumped, but instead I found myself standing on the small ledge that protruded out from under the railing. If you die in your dream, you die in real life. A statement that Jackie promised me wasn't true. She told me growing up she had terrible nightmares that would come as soon as she closed her eyes. As much as she fought and even developed these techniques. It was as if the dream itself began to evolve and adapt to her. In the end, the only way she could escape was to fall from a distance that would normally kill her. I couldn't understand why my hands held so tightly onto the railing. A feeling of fear squeezed me, almost choking me. Aunt Jackie told me that when you fall in your dream, You will wake before you hit the ground. Even as my breathing increased and my heart raced, I had an explanation, adaptation. Jackie said that just before she finished college, her dreams came to an end. Before that, they had become worse and more realistic. It got to the point where she was not certain what was real and what was the dream. Standing on top of a building, she would feel the same fear she would when awake, but she told me that she could feel deep down in her soul that nothing she was being shown was real, and then she would step from the building and awake safely in her bed. I leaned out a little bit further from the ledge and tried to think about how soon I would awake in my bed and how I would feel joy knowing that my family would be there. But that wasn't what I felt standing there. What I felt was instinct. My body doing everything to warn me that what I was about to do would lead to my death. Self-preservation was starting to kick in. I had options. If the world that I had awoken to was real, would I really want to continue living in it? But, if this were a dream, then I would soon awaken. Either way, soon, I would be free. Next week, Chapter 7.